Hello and welcome to the Catholic Nerds Podcast, your dulcet source for quality Catholic nerdery. This is Scott, Cody, Mary, Colby, Eric, and our very special guest, David, Emma. Yes, so we have David Cruz and Emma Frad with us. Uh, Welcome, guys, to the podcast. Did you say dulcet source? Dulcet. Dulcet. (laughs) Dulcet. Like sweet melodies. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Did you mean sweet? It's it's okay. a it's a music it's a music thing, Cody. Gotcha. Got, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. Uh, I, my high school focus was in music theory, and I have no clue what that means. <laughs> <laughs> did very well in those courses. So, uh, David and Emma, y'all uh, are starting a record label. It's launching December 11th. Tell us about that. Tell us about Enemy Love. Well. I first met David two years ago and uh, well, I was in Australia and he was in America and I met him through a mutual friend of ours who plays cello and I had asked her if she would play cello on a song and she knew David, asked David to record her, David heard about me and uh, yeah, we just got to talking one day because he had this idea of a Catholic record label and um I think we spoke for about an hour that day and about two minutes about the label. And then <laughs> we decided to date long distance and then get married. And now we're four months into marriage. Um, now we're finally doing the label. <laughs> so um, I guess. Congratulations, the basis, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Marriage is great. Ring's still shiny. Amen to that. <laughs> I Wait. guess with the label, um, for me anyway, like I grew up listening to like, grunge music and heavy music and weird indie alternative psychedelic music um, and just loved interesting music that wasn't pop, that wasn't simple music. And when I became Catholic, uh, when I was 18, I was really got into my faith. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, praise and worship music. Like it's pretty simple. <laughs> and I get that it has a place for that, but I think I just, um, I'm just, well, if I can be blunt, I'm kind of just sick of like Catholic folk you know guy with guitar sings girl with guitar sings and it's like let's just there's more out there like we can be more you're allowed to be more interesting (laughs) so for me like I love hearing I love hearing good music and when I see it I'm just addicted to making more people seeing it more people hearing it um so yeah that's how it sort of, for me anyway, that's how it started. And it, it's not just that, it's also definitely, like, we need to go back to uh, your reversion story. We'll get maybe get back to that later, but sure. some articles <laughs> out there is very interesting. But yeah, keep, uh, don't let me interrupt you. No, noted. I guess that's kind of for me what it, maybe you could share a bit more. Yeah, it was the idea. Um, I had a similar experience. I, I was in seminary for a long time and I, I found that same thing. Like I found, I, I felt that, uh, you know, being Catholic, like there's a lot of different elements and there's a lot of different experiences being Catholic that are really unique and really rich, you know? Um, and when I would hear praise and worship music often, or just, just most, you know, a lot of the Catholic music that's out there, it wasn't like I, I didn't like it, but it, it didn't feel like a lot of it did justice to the breadth of experience that being Catholic offers, you know? And so the music felt like it was a very like sort of narrow musical expression of Catholicism and um, not necessarily a bad expression, but just narrow. And when I would play my music for other people, that was 
like, yeah, sometimes it was just really out there, you know, and, and really just like, I was, I was trying to be creative because that's what I love about music. And I love hearing people be creative with music. And um, yeah, there's this impetus to, to sort of, to, to stretch the, uh, the width of what's kind of um, encouraged as far as being creative and expressing, you know, the faith through music. But in addition to that, uh, a big inspiration for me was just the fact that, you know, like you go to a, you go to like a Steubenville conference or something like that. And you have the priests and the bishop will come and, and deacons and sisters and people will be doing talks. And then you have these musicians. And in a lot of ways, the musicians play an essential role in the spiritual conversion of a lot of the people that, that come to these conferences. Right. But oftentimes musicians and artists aren't like necessarily given the spiritual formation to be able to handle uh, sort of the repercussions of being that spiritually fruitful, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the, the spiritual attack that comes on and the various things. And in addition to that, musicians, like we as musicians tend to be uh, really deep feelers and, and, and sensitive to a lot, a lot of different things and uh, not necessarily um, as rooted in like, um, you know, the academic side of the church, which is very, very, very rich, you know, and so there's a, there's a vulnerability there. And so some of the inspiration was to really minister to musicians and artists and give them a place that they can uh, express themselves, but also get, get guidance and get feedback, uh, not only as musicians and whatnot, but as Catholic musicians and as artists uh, who are trying to integrate you know, their faith and their, their craft, essentially. I feel like that could be so impactful. I, I look at, and maybe I shouldn't talk about this, but Audrey Assad and kind I of, I was thinking that. it. Yeah. <laughs> Are we allowed to talk about that? We don't I mean, talk about Audrey. We talked about Brittany, so why not yeah. talk about Audrey? A little, little different. Yeah. Well, maybe it's a question simple. I would ask in that, and it's interesting you say that because I grew up in the music scene. I did music range for a long time very close friends with a number of the popular Catholic artists that are out there today. Um, there is a very clear difference though, between people who, like you say, are at the conferences that are leading worship versus those that are trying to be artistic and creative in what they're trying to share and express. So maybe if you can maybe share about that, like your personal experience, when you say like the, the common Catholic artists that are out there today may not have the formation. Are you speaking about those who are in, say, like the worship space that are leading other people in worship and prayer or people that are trying to do that artistic expression? That's a good distinction. Yeah, I think um, probably more so the people that are doing um, who are doing like direct evangelization. So, yeah, leading worship, you know, and doing doing ministry in that way. You know, I mean, creativity as a musician kind of in, you know, I don't know. It's 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 kind of a. Um, I wonder, cause, cause I think there is, there is both, you know, somebody, for example, that's like a studio, you know, artist or something like that, whose, whose, whose music is being heard. Um, but it's not in the same way that, you know, uh, a musician would be being heard, you know, leading, leading worship for a whole weekend retreat or something like that. You know, I imagine it's similar, you know, but, but I think the direct, yeah, there is something certainly, um, significant about the direct evangelization you know, you're playing to a live audience i think about like the seek conference you know twenty thousand uh college students you know getting together and 
And, um, you know, the music being potentially something that, that creates the rich soil for the seed of the word to fall. And, you know, that's a big deal, you know, spiritually to be involved in that, you know. I also think it's kind of both because, like, um, we have three, including us two, <laughs> musicians on our label right now. And I would say that um, if you're not, if you're a Catholic artist and you're not doing, you know, praise and worship directly evangelizing, but maybe you're kind of in the secular scene and you're just trying to write music that's maybe about God, maybe a bit sneaky about God. Um, I think I feel like those people need a lot of formation as well. Um, I was talking to one girl from Melbourne recently who said like, you know, she's just trying to put herself out there. She feels like she doesn't really belong. And I sort of said to her like, well, it's because you don't belong there. (laughs) You know, no one belongs there. You weren't made for there. So of course you're going to feel. And I know know what that's like as well. Like even in my band, um, heaps good friends. Like we were touring Australia for like five years and, it's just that thing where like you meet people and it's really good. And then like, it just comes out that you're Catholic and just yeah, everything yeah. changes, you know, people are just offended right away. And um, it's tricky. Yeah. That's gotta be especially difficult in y'all where you guys are. Um, I mean, do you feel surrounded? Is it just, is it, int- I mean, can you tell us about that? Surround, uh, like as musicians, like, do you just feel like, you mean here in Australia? Just just anywhere. Is it does that sure. being in the music scene just feel oppressive? Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, mostly because it's so what did you say? It's uh tolerant of everything and forgiving of nothing or something. Yeah. <laughs> the opposite yeah. of Catholicism. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear interesting yeah yeah it is there's and there's different there's different levels to the music scene you know there's different scenes within the music scene and certain (laughs) ones are certainly more um open and and welcoming and that kind of thing but i I, when i was doing music before i went into seminary yeah it was crazy oh my gosh some of the music industry as i experienced it when i was about 20 was just insane it was like out of a movie you know like five times worse than most people know you know mm-hmm. it just i remember back then just being like man like this is a weird corner of the world and and then as a as a person of faith going into that situation it it felt um i didn't experience as much personal kind of like resistance like people were like oh it's, it's weird that you're a christian or whatever i didn't experience it and maybe it was just because it didn't come up at that point in my life i was probably less vocal about it than i, than I would be now um but but i felt it just felt like spiritually present you know that like um the things that were going around were just it was always a it was always a um yeah the the environment was uh was was morally compromising (laughs) you know and it was it was just a dangerous environment morally you know to be in yeah and it could be that way i mean i think for everybody but yeah it's um you're, yeah. you're, in, you're in good company here um, between you, me, and Cody. That's three seminary, uh, seminary dropouts. Nice. <laughs> oh. Nice. The Cernouts. Yeah. The Cernouts. Yeah. I graduated. <laughs> yeah. I, I full on dropped out of the Jesuits. Y'all might have discerned out of seminary, but I. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so speaking to that, uh, I know I've kind of been able to read some of Emma's um, 
faith journey, but how did, how'd you go from, uh, as you, the, from music to seminary? What, what happened there? Yeah, I, for me, it was, it was really that experience of the, the music industry, honestly. Um, Tell that story now. Yeah, my conversion it was what happened like there was there was really a particular transformative moment and I think I can I can say this uh I was at a music festival and there was a lot that had led up to this moment right my parents had had split up and gotten back together over and over throughout my high school years and I was a bit of a mess you know by the time I was 19 um I had gotten into doing some drugs and I was uh drinking quite a bit and just living a pretty, uh, you know, morally lax life. And um, there was a, a music festival called Shangri-La uh, in Minnesota that I went to. Great band from the 60s as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember uh, Shinanana. <laughs> yeah. Shinana. It's, also, it's also a nice sushi restaurant here in Lafayette. Nice. nice. So, yeah, sorry Shangri-La. for the tangent. My mom actually served shanana um as a waitress in the upper peninsula of michigan when they were touring as a you know as a waitress but anyway sorry tangent (laughs) that's awesome yeah i found out later that shangri-la means paradise which is fascinating um with the story so what happened is i was i was it was the middle of the night and um long story short for the first time and the only time i had done a bunch of cocaine and I was, I was at this music festival and I just yeah, was one of the artists there. So it was free and a bunch of the people that I knew were doing it. I had never even seen it before. And for some reason I did it that night. And uh, I was walking through the music festival and um, I just, I felt this voice. Like I, I, it, it was like that. It was like, I felt this voice and it was words, but it was like, I don't know. It was like those words were pushing into my heart itself and like imprinting into my heart. And uh, it just said, David, where are you? You know, mm. and I've never felt more loved in my entire life than that moment right there. And it was, and I immediately felt sober and I, I felt like I had woke up from a dream, you know, like I, I woke up and I, I actually stopped walking because I just felt that. And it was like, oh, and I left the music festival. I literally like walked out. I walked through the crowds out of the music festival. I went out by this lake. And I just prayed and I just let everything out and just the, the, you know, eight years or so of just family issues and personal issues and pain that, uh, you know, a 14 year old, you know, 16 year old, 19 year old doesn't know how to deal with. Um, I just let that all out. And I just said, God, I know that you're real and I'm, I don't care what happens from now on, but I'm going to, I'm going to pray every day. And like, you need to take the driver's seat, you know? And, and uh, so the music festival, left the music festival, went back home, started going to mass every day. And um, yeah, I just felt like God just like plucked me out of this dark world and, and um, kind of brought me back into his fold. And within a year, I was like, I just want to, this is where it's at. Like the, faith, the Catholic faith is like freaking awesome. Like <laughs> I was just on fire. Yeah. I, and I just, yeah. So I, I, uh, after a while I, I thought, man, I should, I want to give everything. I want to just, I, I was like ready to join religious life. I discerned with the CFRs oh, and eventually, wow. um, they've got yeah, some I felt music like, they're putting out too. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, brother Isaiah. Brother Isaiah was actually there when I when I went and discerned with him. I did this. Oh wow! Discernment. I remember I remember talking to him and saying, "Hey, if I if I provided you with a bunch of music, like hippie kind of jam band music, could you write lyrics for it?" Oh, please. Like, yeah. Can y'all please collaborate on something? That would be incredible. Yeah. So where where is that at? C uh, CFR where? In New York. New York. Okay. So we yeah. created a new on our think, YouTube. Uh, we created we had a brother Stephen Dufresne, um, oh. was from Homa, went to the CFRs in New York. Um, hmm. He was there probably in two thousand and seven to two thousand and fifteen or so. I think he's, he's still there. Oh, okay. He's still there. Okay, I wasn't sure if he was still there or not. Yeah, we created a, a Catholic Nerds music playlist. Featuring heavily David Cruz and Emma Frad, uh, but also Brother Isaiah is on there. So, uh, so now I just need to join it up. Be yes. awesome. But when, when you're telling us about your conversion story, it sounded remarkably similar to your wife's. <laughs> yes. This is one of the things we discovered on that initial phone call. <laughs> so, yeah, y'all said you'd talk for like two hours and five minutes of that was a record label or something like that. <laughs> the rest of it was falling in love. <laughs> I'd love to hear Emma's story as well. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, classic teenager didn't like anything, including God. <laughs> I went to a Catholic school. Um, that'll do uh, it. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Especially schools, Catholic schools in Australia. They just... Anyway, I could go into that, but I won't. <laughs> anyway, Matt, my brother was living in Ireland at the time and he invited me to come and live with him. And uh, I was like, sure, another country. I was from like small, small town, poor Peary, South Australia. So I was like, bring it on. <laughs> and um, obviously spending a lot of time. Places with him. like the greatest accents. You just, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did an accent to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> um obviously while staying with him and Matt, you know, they did a lot of praying and they would invite me to stuff and I'd be like, Oh, I don't want to do that. And then they were going to Medjugorje. So they were like, Oh, this priest like wants to pay for you to go. And I was like, where's that? <laughs> Another country. I was like, sure. Okay. And um, I guess just after being surrounded by so much Catholic stuff for a while, going to mass, going to their like youth group, I just sort of started to ask questions and one thing led to another and I just began praying the prayer like God if you're real can you show me in a way that makes sense to me and then I ended up at NET Canada their missionary training in 2008 one August so I was surrounded by like 50 psycho in love people with Christ <laughs> yeah, so nerds beautiful. nerds entertaining teenagers that's what it was <laughs> yeah <laughs> that should be their motto mm -hmm. no that was so beautiful like just um just picture, picture someone in your life who you would want to convert and um, this is where you would want to put them, like just in a room of 50 loving people. Mm -hmm. And um, I was in praise and worship, you know, seeing that for the first time and I thought it was weird but I also thought like, wow, everyone seems to really be believing that this God is real and that they're praying to him. And, yeah, one day at that training, um, this guy, Joe Vogel, was given a talk just on, you know, the message of, the charisma, hey, something I've heard my whole life. And, um, yeah, you know, God loves you so much. Like how he died to save you. How can you even conceive that? And, um, yeah, just something 
snapped in me, kind of let go and cry for 14 years. And here I am. (laughs) (laughs) It was just just very powerful, very like, um, oh my gosh, just, I know, like, I know with all my heart, this is true. And I'm, I don't care what I have to give to, to, to give after this, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Went back next year, served on Net Canada for two years, lived in Canada for another four years, living on Net Staff. Then I moved to England for two years to be in a band, came back to Australia in 2016 to work for Net Australia. And then I've been working for the Archdiocese of Brisbane for the last three years. Okay. I have a, a friend that I think worked for Net in Australia. Um, was it Australia? She did Net Ireland, I thought. Is it Becca Crouch? No. And now I'm completely blanking on Allison Laddie. Oh, Allison. I was thinking Sarah. Allison Laddie, but maybe the times don't sync up. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Sorry. Yeah, no. I was like, oh, is highly and likely. Also, and also, Australia is a fairly big place, or so I'm told. <laughs> it's so. a continent. It's big that there's like no Catholics. No, <laughs> it's probably the size of Louisiana. Totally. <laughs> you could drive across in a couple hours. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just telling our kids the other day, I was showing up a comparison of the United States and Australia. Because, like, on a lot of our maps, it looks smaller. I was like, look, it's the same size. The United States <laughs> and Australia are the same size. Unreal. And- yeah. Yeah. And let's address the Australian elephant in the room that uh, they don't maybe, have elephants, Scott. Maybe, okay, the kangaroo in the in the room. <laughs> oh, that Emma is Matt Frad's sister. Oh, I, I think I'll, I didn't know that was a kangaroo in the room. Well, there's an elephant. <laughs> then there were no Australian elephants. What's it like being related to a kangaroo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you the things we say, not that. Oh, I would ever be a subject of conversation, but if you needed to to tell Matt who I am, tell him I'm the one that was chauffeuring him around Baton Rouge and got him sick on Tony's seafood. He poisoned him. <laughs> poisoned him. Um, and he was up all night, you know, not being happy uh, before. <laughs> not being happy. I like <laughs> conference. You, you know how to make an impression, Scott. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Oh, so you had said, Emma, you had said, and I'll post in the show notes uh, the link to your reversion story. Um, uh, you had said that Matt and you went down like all the different shops in Mejigori. And uh, you just wanted like the 10 rosary. And uh, Matt, somehow he said that that priest that bought your plane ticket had also uh, bought a Bible for you, but you later found out it was Matt that had bought yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Years later. Because <laughs> what happened in Medjugorje is I, I had this, I was chatting to a priest in confession. I didn't go to confession, but I was just talking to him. And after talking to him, I decided I was going to pray every day. I decided I would pray a, ro- a decade every day to Mary, asking for her mm-hmm. to show me Christ. And um, Matt was like, all right, like, he was so excited. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll take you, we'll buy your rosary. And I was like, I just want one of those things where you, you can't tell it's a rosary. Like, <laughs> in Catholic is doing that. And, uh, yeah, the Bible he got me, he said a priest on that trip got for me. But I've still got that Bible. It is falling apart. But thanks to a Ramus Catholic leather, it's staying together with my new Bible cover. <laughs> yeah, tell us about, I want to, well, okay, yeah. We need to talk about Ramus also. But so I was wondering <laughs> Because I thought when I read the article that the priest who had bought you the, the plane ticket was also the priest that supposedly bought you the Bible. 
So I was going to ask if you've later found out that it was Matt that bought the plane ticket. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me, probably. <laughs> but yeah, do y'all want to talk about array moves? That's a, a, a really sweet design, uh, name design there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, array moves was uh, when I when I left seminary in 2020. I um, I had been making breviary covers for fellow. Uh, seminarian classmates and Bible covers for uh, random parishioners that I would encounter. And um, I was like, <laughs> you know, and you, you leave seminary and you're kind of like well-equipped, but also not well-equipped for yeah. secular living, you know? <laughs> I, I like, well, often it's like leaving Eden, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, you have to, you, you're in this habit of, you know, two hours of habit. prayer. My bed. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> depending on where you go to seminary <laughs> yeah classic might be a classic um but anyway I, I was applying for jobs and i was so busy with orders with leatherwork orders that i had to take a break from applying for jobs in order to do leatherwork so i'm sitting in the garage one day like hammering something and i remember it was like a moment where this realization came to me and i like stopped hammering and i was like why don't I just do this? Like <laughs> do this as a job. It's already a full-time job. And uh, so, yeah, that was the birth of Oremus Catholic Leatherwork. And I registered it as a business in Minnesota in September of 2020. And had, we had our first Christmas. I was the only one really doing it. And then the next year, uh, a couple of the people got involved. And by the end of 2021, uh, we had a team of uh, five people kind of running it. And then uh, we met through, we had been dating throughout that whole year and uh, moved to Australia in January of 2022. And Oremus Catholic Leatherwork is still running under the um, leadership of the whole team. Yeah. So it's operating out of Minnesota and we meet weekly long distance and yeah, I'm just growing and expanding. And it's been you were a long distance with me, and now you're long distance with your business. <laughs> <laughs> I also want the logo for Enemy Love. Oh, it, it's for those. Hopefully, you'll be able to see an image of it. You know, in our show notes and stuff. But it's a, a monstrance. But in, as a LP, as like a vinyl record, like that. I All love right. that logo. It's awesome. It's interesting that you say that because <laughs> it's actually not a monstrance. Oh, yeah, oh. monstrance! <laughs> that was actually unintentional. No way! Actually, wait, wait, where is it? No. no. What the hell is it? Well, what it's supposed to be, and maybe what you also see is just the vinyl record with the side profile of two people looking at each other. Oh um, wow! So wait, am, are you saying that like I'm seeing it as a monstrance for the first time, or? I've never seen it as a monstrance, have you? Oh. I mean, I we had the the idea was that like uh, the, Father Mike talked about this thing. He said he said you never know. Um, he said the only times that you are really really close up and looking somebody in the eye, like right up next to their face, is if you love them or if you hate them. And so the the idea of these two figures just looking right into each other's eye kind of te- kind of touches on both the enemy and love, you know. And uh, the concept of enemy love was the Archbishop Mark Coleridge here in Brisbane. Um, he did this homily about um, uh, you know loving your enemies and the kind of as Catholics we're called to have this this thing in our heart. It could be described as enemy love, and uh, and we just love that idea. 
But then uh, after we put the logo together, it was like, it kind of looks like a monstrance too. Oh, and then with the red, you know, like, but just the so outlines many, of the- So many layers. So- Yeah, a lot of layers. <laughs> Actually, funny. you put on 3D glasses and look at it yeah, under a blue <laughs> light. It squints a little. Well, squints a little, turn it to the side. So it's Please funny. Well, we, psychedelic. We have a, a ministry, a pro-life ministry called Life Encounters. And um, I mean, I say have, it's more, we haven't done anything with it in years, but this was our logo. I don't know if you can make it out, but it's two faces facing each other. Oh, yeah. Can you see it? Oh, it's kind of blurry. I don't know. And it's a lot further apart than y'all's record. So it doesn't look <laughs> right, like right, conference. Right. But just we had a similar thing of like, like two people facing each other and like, um, like our whole message. Not with was that like, attitude, Cody. Was, <laughs> was trying to like, to change hearts through like the individual encounter between two people and stuff. Mm-hmm. So just when we saw your logo, we're like, huh? the faith, the, you know, the encounter, the, the yeah. meeting of two people. So is that, is that what's going on in the to and fro video, the music video? Exactly. Awesome. Okay. I'll definitely put that link to that in the show notes too. Do y'all want to um, talk about any different songs, records, anything like that? Sure. You want to go Each first? Albums, maybe? Yeah. I love sure. that too. And throw uh, music video was pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks. I like yeah, how y'all did the um, kind of was it Breakfast Club? You know the Molly Ringwald with the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to make. We made that one in the in the U.S. Uh, a friend of ours named Betsy Landsteiner. Um, she's been doing videography for a long time and is just awesome at it. And we just asked her if we could crank out a couple of music videos while we were there. So, so Emma is the one that we made for one of Emma's songs is uh, coming out uh, next week. Is it next week? In two weeks. Next middle of next month, November 12th. Okay. So yeah. November 12th. Yeah. And um, yeah. Anyway, the album, my album is, is titled just listen. And the idea is. Came out um, yesterday. Yeah. It came out yesterday <laughs> and available wow. on title and Apple. Yeah. And um yeah, it's pretty exciting. And this this album, one of the songs I wrote when I was 15 years old, and one of them I wrote like a year ago. Um, so it's a it's a huge span of my life. Yeah. Um, and uh, it includes a lot from uh, when I was in seminary. Um, it just is a it's a smattering of a ton of different life experiences. But the reason it's called Just Listen is because um, it's just an exercise that I think is is really good, you know, um, for a variety of reasons. And I have a lot of personal like uh, reasons why I love love that. But um, there's this music has become very much background noise and art in general has become very much background noise. And even just life in general has become sort of background noise. And uh, just this idea of like, if you're going to listen to music, like just listen, like actually just sit down, you know, turn off the phone or chuck it out into the street, whatever floats your boat. And, um, and like, yeah, listen to music like, like we used to, you know, and um, now it's like, (laughs) you know, how many screens can I put between me and the wall, you know, (laughs) it's like, um, yeah, anyway, so that's kind of the idea with it. I just really want to encourage people to re-engage with art at a, at a full level, you know, because we never regret that when we do it intentionally, you know, when you sit down, you're like, I'm going to sit down and I'm actually just going to like, look at this painting because I love it, you know, and I'm going to do that. And like, nobody ever regrets that, but it's, it's because the battle is a battle of distraction that 
it, we just never end up doing it. So it's not that nobody wants to do it or that it's not worth it. It's just that we just never get around to it. It's not, our culture is kind of killing it, like killing the opportunity and the willingness to do that. Right. Um, I say so interesting you put it that way because yeah, typically when people engage with art, just like you said, it's either music in the background just as noise to kind of get you through something that's either monotonous or repetitive, or you're just trying to trudge through a task mindlessly. Or you, you do kind of take that moment to intentionally contemplate what you are experiencing and trying to take in. So uh, I'll just share something real quick. Years and years ago, a priest had encouraged me to do a Lenten penance of no personal music for the entire season of Lent. So I was just telling him my life was full of noise. I could not focus on anything. I, you know, I had a hard time just concentrating and getting things done. And so he asked me, he's like, well, what kind of music you listen to? So I told him and uh, he said, okay, well, here's your challenge. No personal music. He's like, you go to mass. That's fine. When you go to a praise and worship night, that's fine. He's like, but you cannot personally seek out any music to kill silence. Mm. Huh. That's awesome. The I first two that. weeks were purgatory on earth. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, that season, it, it completely reset the way that I approach music and exactly the way that you said it. It wasn't like, it was just something I put in the background to just kill the silence so that I can get through something. It was, I'm intentionally seeking this out because I want to enjoy the beauty that's trying to be shared. Yes. Amen. And, and life has been different since that point, just when I've tried to approach music. So uh, for you to say it that way, I definitely can feel and resonate, you know, what you're trying to do. Mm. Yeah, I love and that, that thing you said about that life itself has become background noise. Um, I don't Everything you said resonated a lot, but just, the idea that I think we tend to, or at least I tend to put off enjoying art or music or just life, like, like being with our kids and stuff, because I'm like, no, no, that would be like, I have so much I need to accomplish first. Like I need to get these things done almost as though I don't deserve to enjoy those things until I check enough things off the list. Mm -hmm. And lately I've been feeling like the Lord's really calling me to make the list second <laughs> and put the first things first and put but being present to the people around me first. And, and um, so, yeah, I just, I really thought that was beautiful what you said. And like, it was already beautiful. And then when you said like, and even life is background noise, like, mm -hmm. yes, <laughs> like, <laughs> life has become background noise. And also maybe another way to think about it too, is like um, as, a, as an artist, you know, you put so much work and time and effort and yourself into something like this. And like, you mean to say like this album, there's a whole span of your life that is included in this. And so I know most of my other friends that are artists, like a lot of times the songs they write, they don't make sense to you. Like when you hear it for the first time, but when you hear them over or multiple times or have the conversation with them, like, Hey, where did this come from? It's an expression of themselves and it's a story for them. And just trying to think about enjoying it. Would you ever just sit next to someone and let them talk and then not really try to hear what they're saying? They're trying to share something with you intentionally. And so not that every song is intended to be like a personal conversation right at that moment, but in a way it kind of is. Totally. Yeah, totally. Background is like uh, background music like that. It's like background reading, you know, like it just doesn't work. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's a conversation yeah. Somebody. yeah. What, yeah. A, what a focus this is. I, I feel like somebody should box this. I don't, I don't know if you want to call it a concept or, just just this idea of sitting 
and just being in there and just experiencing these works of art like i just like everybody else here right now this is like been a huge thing that i think the lord has been telling me in my life right now like i've been uh i i caught um uh pints of a uh, pints with aquinas uh he had uh matt had um uh bill donahue on back in august and they were talking about lord of the rings and stuff and i'm i'm like the biggest lord of the rings fan and mm-hmm rereading this the silmarillion over and over again just mm. it's like reading it the first time it, it's like you know trying to go tra- trying to read the bible from front to back you know without the context of of everything and how the stories intertwine and and uh build off of one one another um and it's just i i yeah i wish we could just bottle this concept to share with other people to, to yeah, just just be mm-hmm. in this. To, oh. to sounds like the album. Just listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's really it's really I, fitting for David as well because sometimes he will literally just sit outside mm-hmm. with nothing, like maybe a guitar and a journal, and just see how long he can sit out for, <laughs> like seven hours, and just do not do nothing, but he's just trying to be. And I feel like that's so who you are. Oh that's and he that's hates, a very he Franciscan spirituality. There. <laughs> <laughs> Love Saint Francis. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, got to, a brother like, Francis on on uh, just listen, right? Yeah. Oh, fun. Inspired by the the Franciscans down in Arizona, Franciscans of the Holy Spirit. There's a homily that one of the priests said down there that inspired that song. Okay. I've, I will be using that album and uh, basically all the music I discovered um, from y'all uh, as, as Exodus 90 is about to ramp up. And um, whereas Colby, maybe he's good enough to have no sound. My media addiction <laughs> is to the point that if I just switch to uh, wholesome music, you know, and not movies or Marvel. What do you normally listen to, Scott? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> don't ask. Don't ask. Just kidding. Just kidding. But um, there is some kind there's as far as Exodus 90, right? Where you reduce screen time, reduce um, what you listen to. And um, so a lot of people might hear this podcast and what we're going to do is a, a top five, top 10, even if y'all want list of best catholic musicians uh you're about to discover maybe for exodus 90 uh, and fall in love with so what um we definitely have to include uh david cruz and emma frat on that list also uh tell us about valet is it valer yep valer yeah valer uh she's the third artist on our label she's um her real name is shana she lives in new zealand she's from the philippines but um, yeah, she writes R&B music. Um, she's just a really beautiful girl. She's like, well, woman. <laughs> um, she's just so happy and so uh, she's probably someone who always lifts up the other musicians and creatives in her life as well. Um, but she writes just quality music. Like it actually sounds brilliant. It's, it's so good. It's great. So she's yeah. she's going to be flying to Australia in December to drive around in a hot car with us and and two of her few different cities. Uh, hot exciting. car is a stolen car. Is that is that how it transits? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> no, no as far not. as any car. I listened to um, Valer had some uh, mashups. Or I don't know if you call them mashups, but uh, one was uh, How Will I Know? Uh, you know, the Whitney Houston and uh, Too Good, um, uh, Drake, Rihanna. I thought that was pretty awesome. She'll kind of blend them together. But yeah, yeah. her voice is, is amazing. Yeah, she just released a, a single cup last week called Sober. Um, and she's got an EP coming out in April, uh, which is really exciting. So stay tuned for that. Um, other two artists, I know you were saying top five Catholic artists. We had two more. Sure. Oh, yeah, the Le Guter. Yeah. Or do you want to talk about the, the Fonsed? Uh, I feel like we're here now. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. You want to jump down the list? Yeah, well, um, I don't know how to pronounce the, the reggae people from France. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's pronounced Legouté or something like Legouté. You have to say it with disdain. You have to, you have to hit that face. Why do we keep yeah, doing the we... Italian hand? <laughs> because I'm Italian. It's, it's French. <laughs> Eric. I'm I, oh, I I'm making, a, I'm making a gesture about. to you too, buddy. Oh, settle <laughs> down. This is a, it's a family show. It's a family friendly show, Eric. <laughs> it's prayer hands. No, no, what are you thinking? It's bless you, <laughs> It's high five. <laughs> So who who are these uh, guerrilla warfare? The Legutaire? What what is that? There, yeah, there's just this. Like a few years ago, I just looked up Catholic musicians, and um, I found there's 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 not much when you when you look up that there's there's a few, but it's hard to find. Like I'd love to find like a hundred of them or something. I said, no. um, it's and and I've, I found this this list that was like worldwide. And so there was like these Polish people and whatever. And I stumbled upon this band through that uh, website. And I just could not believe it. I heard one song called Mon Frere, which means my brother. And uh, um, and it just, I was like, these guys are amazing. You know, Is it like and a immediate Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's very much like they love, they're like authentic reggae. Like stylistically, they're just on point. And um, yeah, so I bought all their music and I can't understand hardly anything of what's said, but I've looked up the lyrics before <laughs> and uh, it's just great. Like, it's just good music, you know, and yeah, I'm really, really impressed. I would love to see them live. But yeah, that's Le Guter. Yeah. Uh, also, the... sorry, you go, Scott. Yeah, well, I was going to say you had also included Blue Lupin. Is that Blue Wolf or something like that? I think it's just Blue Lupin. Lupin's a bird, oh. right? Well, I don't know. I think Wolf is a lape. 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 Well, what about Professor Lupin. Ah. <laughs> that gets back into Latin. Yeah, it's Latin. There's Wolf. <laughs> Lupus Lupus. Yeah, Lupus Lupus. <laughs> um, she is an artist from England. Actually used to be in a band with her called Interior Castle. Uh, but she's just started writing. She just started releasing music. She released a single last month called Soak, and she's got another single coming out soon. Um, she writes like dream pop, um, which so cool. if you've ever watched like an indie film before, 
that's that's probably the 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 soundtrack to it is just like a dreamy sort of pop electronic I don't know it's just like chill music but it's not girl and guitar it's like lots of instruments and lots of layers and um, she's got a great voice and she's a really good songwriter she's actually a full-time missionary in London um, she just travels around doing music for adoration and parish masses and stuff which is cool would you so would like would like an Elliot Smith would that kind of be the same kind of sound or is that I feel like Elliot Smith is more guy and guitar um, so she's I think when she plays live she probably just plays guitar sometimes but the recording the production of her songs um, is more electronic than Elliot Smith I would say yeah you think? I'm trying to think of what would be a good comparison. I don't know. It's it's really unique. Like it's really beautiful. I would say the thing that would distinguish her from like Elliot Smith, especially, is that there's there's more like her music is like um it's very colorful. It's very it's like an impressionist painting, you know? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of beautiful sounds that are incorporated where you're like, what is that? Like we were listening to one of her songs on the way here. And it, like every five seconds, I was like, what is that sound? Or that was one of your interior castle songs. Um, yeah. But like they're using, using different sounds to like create a, a whole like sonic spectrum. That's really neat. I would say if you haven't heard Dream Pop before, then it's, it's probably hard to compare it to something. Like I'd probably compare it to a band like Warpaint, which I don't know if you've heard. They're like a four piece girl band from LA slash the drummers from Australia. But they're just like, just dreamy. Just dreaming. <laughs> you had a uh, was an ambient music album that kind of yeah. kind of remind me of like a Brian Eno. Is that appropriate or? Oh uh, yeah, sweet. I like mm. Brian Eno. Yeah, my that, that all started from Matt. He just wanted me to write a um, album of study music initially for his, his state music or adoration music. Yeah, adoration music. Yeah, I was wondering what the purpose was. Like, if it had a specific purpose. Uh, yeah, definitely not for adoration. I mean, maybe you could if you want, but um, <laughs> lo-fi adoration. <laughs> it's not low; it's high. It's it's like hi-fi. <laughs> yeah, he just wanted me to write it as a study album that he could give to his patrons uh, years ago. But um, yeah, that was just a bit of fun. Just a yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, adoration and lo-fi, I guess I know I know Matt Fred puts together Matt. I don't know why I include his last name. I think that's part of his persona. He is Matt Fred. Anyway, uh, I know he put together the uh, Catholic uh, lo-fi channel on YouTube. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's he's keen for that. I think he just loves lo-fi. He just loves mm. and the, the, the artist that he gets for that, for the animations for the video is just amazing. Yeah, they're great, hey? <laughs> the yeah. cartoon St. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> yeah yeah as he's going through the book and just and then the was the the newest one with the the girl praying the rosary you know mm. it's 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 just beautiful like studio ghibli mm. uh artwork and just perfect music for for relaxing and studying really yeah awesome yeah it's not great. to downplay the david cruz and the frad duets uh but the yeah the love me more that uh that you and matt did together that uh youtube video that yeah yeah that was awesome well how, <laughs> how did what happened there how'd that come to be oh that was that was when he lived in san diego that was years ago that song was actually written by a mutual friend of ours from australia here called carla shaw um 
I think I just did a gig at a cafe when he lived in San Diego and I just said, oh, do you want to sing a song with me? And we just really love that song. But it was funny, actually, last August, we had our wedding reception, our American wedding reception. It was a real reception. It wasn't a real second wedding. <laughs> but it was also the third reception. So <laughs> that's In America. And I don't know if you've seen that. You should check out our Enemy Love Records YouTube channel. Uh, Matt sung um, Breakfast in America by Supertramp with us. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Matt's got a great voice. He used to write a lot of music. He, he was really good. I definitely want to, if we ever move back to America, I'm definitely convincing him to be on our label. <laughs> there was that line in the uh, Love Me More song, I'm not hiding, I'm just lost. I could definitely see an Aquinas uh, aspect to that with coming from Matt. But y'all mm-hmm. did, um, it was on your wedding day, you did a duet of Waves. Was that right? They shared on Facebook? We did, yep. yeah. Were, was like, I couldn't like, was that the point where you like can't, I was wondering if, uh, David couldn't look at you yet. You know, if it was like that phase of the wedding, I didn't know if that was, you know. Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys looked like you hated each other. <laughs> no, that was right up. That was literally right after our ceremony. I think um, we must have just been really yeah. into it. But we wrote yeah. that song when we were dating long distance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was but fun. I have some, uh, not that this input matters whatsoever, but I have some uh, duets I think would be awesome for y'all. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> oh, so uh, boy meets girl uh, waiting on waiting on a star to fall. I think that could be awesome. Don't know if y'all remember that song. I don't know that song for you. No, I appreciate both of y'all. I can uh, I can probably <laughs> cue it up. And then um, did y'all see Dan in real life? No, Dan in real life. It's a Steve oh, Carell and Juliet Binoche movie. Ah, awesome. uh, maybe I did actually. That rings a bell. I don't know. They uh, Sandra Lersh, I think, is in Lillian Samdahl. They do a duet. Um, Modern Nature is the song, but uh, I think y'all that'd be an awesome song for y'all. But anyway, like I said, I just had to put that in there. Please ignore. Yeah, do it. Send it to us so we can remember that. We'll check it out. <laughs> so yeah, let's see. We're about to hit the mark. Um, is there anything, uh, anything y'all want to tell us about the? label and the other guys have any questions i had a question um i guess the and we even have a self-published person in our group so what inspired you to want to start a label to encourage a collective of artists to come together to i guess work to share their stuff because i guess the the trend today for a lot of people is take control of your own product right do your own self-publishing your own self-labeling so what inspired you to want to start a label and then try to encourage and invite people to join you on that? Um, yeah, you go. <laughs> I think, I think that the main thing is just being able to, I mean, it's, it's that, it's that concept of like, you know, when you, when you, when you put a stick in the fire and you pull the stick out of the fire, it dwindles quickly, but it, it bursts into flames. Like, the effect of community, you know, it keeps us, it keeps us going. It keeps us safe. It keeps us uh, moving in the right direction under good leadership and keeps it secret, keeps it safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, I think that's, that's essentially what it, what it is, is um, I think being alone, especially as a Catholic in the music industry, 
it, it makes you more vulnerable. And um, there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of different things. There's that. There's the community aspect for sure. There's the resource aspect. You know, like one of our goals would be to have like a, a music festival at some point uh, where we bring in like all of our artists and we just host a big, huge, uh, you know, maybe like a multi-day you know, festival or something like that. This is probably years down the road, but um, that would be hopefully someday the goal. But the other thing would be to incorporate like a retreat for all of our artists to come together. And okay, we're doing a retreat because we're all kind of in the same in the same boat as far as what we're doing with, um, you know, our art and our faith and, and trying to do the integration and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different elements there. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's, it's bringing people together and, and, um, also, and, and, and also like kind of trying to stand together to, to have a positive effect on the music industry. I think we're, we have more strength in numbers. Uh, one of those things being, I have this anti-Spotify like spiel that I could go on, but, um, Spotify in a lot of ways and other streaming services are really like ruining the music industry because you just don't get like anything as a musician for, for streams. You don't like, and it's not musicians being greedy, like, oh, we don't get paid enough. It's not like we're going on strike. It's like, no, I just can't afford to make music if I'm reliant on streams for income. I just can't afford it. And, and most musicians can't. Uh, and it's like the, the it's oddly enough, it's like the wealthy musicians that boycott Spotify, the ones that actually don't need to boycott Spotify, um, but they do. And and uh, yeah, that's another thing with with the label is that if we if we actually, you know, come together and we can figure out a business model that allows for us to be able to actually get the support we need uh, financially, get the support that we need as far as resources and support. Um, being able to record if we have access to our own recording uh, studio and equipment and, and production processes and all that kind of stuff, like just the whole business aspect. If the business structure can facilitate a positive effect on the music industry, then as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's, a, that's, a, you know, that's a way of integrating Catholic teaching, Catholic social teaching into the mission of the record label. You know, and um, I think that that's really important, but it's a little bit harder to put, you know, practical. Here's what we do, you know, with that at this point, because we're just getting started. But yeah, that'd be the goal. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah. So I definitely see the streaming aspects. I had several friends who are still currently producing their stuff on their own. And even aside from the streaming services, even direct downloads from, you know, mediums like Apple and others, the, yeah. the commission or the cut that you get from a download like, well, at that point, I could still sell myself and make better margins. So mm. even though it's a digital product that can scale very easily, it's, yeah, they still take so much of it that, like, yeah, there's benefit to, again, the ability to scale and, and reach additional people, but yeah. at what point or at what cost to you, you know? I always, I always try and tell people, like, if you like somebody, go to their website or contact them and say, hey, can I give you 15 bucks for your album or whatever? Like that kind of stuff, like you got, you need to have like 18,000 streams on Spotify to earn like a hundred dollars, you know, and <laughs> 18,000 streams, you know, 20 years ago, you know, would have actually been able to support, you know, somebody for the time that they put into learning how to play instruments and then recording, recording costs, all that stuff. So if you like somebody, man, go buy their stuff and, and support them so they can keep making more stuff you like, you know? And why don't y'all give us your um, 
you know, emmylove.com. Uh, give us all the places where we should find, locate y'all on the internet. Sure. Yeah. So our website is just, yeah, enemyloverecords.com. Um, if you just search Enemy Love Records on Facebook and Instagram, we are there as well. Um, I have a single coming out on November 12th called The Last You'll See of Me. And then my album, Fun Sad, comes out on November 19th. Um, if there's anyone in Australia listening, hello. <laughs> we want to come and gig in your city. So just reach out to us. And yeah, we're actually doing it two house shows on this tour, which will be pretty fun. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we just want to, we just want to gig. We just want to get out there and play. Um, and on our website and Instagram is all the information to our upcoming tour. And you can get connected to each of our three artists, like how to listen to their music basically. So, yeah. Excellent. Any parting thoughts, anybody? So we'll say, uh, saved our conversation to sign up for all of your newsletters. So you got a couple notifications that you have new subscribers just within the last hour. And your nice. YouTube channels and all those too. You've got a few few of us new subscribers. Yeah. Amazing. We should probably like make a newsletter. Hey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think we've done one yet, so it's a good time to do it. Yeah, perfect time. <laughs> uh, kind of not closing out, but I, I was thinking about one of the things you were talking about earlier, how uh, in praise and worship, like, especially at these large events like Steubenville conferences and things like that. And like, they really are like the ministers of it. It, it definitely is what propelled my conversion uh, at Steubenville conference. Um, but I was just thinking, I was like, oh man, those conferences would be really boring if there was no music there. Yeah. Like, could you yeah. imagine like everything happening and just no music? Yeah. Totally. totally. It feels like school. so weird. Coming in and sitting down. Stay All right, quiet, you. everyone. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like school. Right. We're walking around with this monstrance now with, with Christ, and so just everybody just. Yeah, you'd probably hear 20,000 shushes. <laughs> it's true. So true. true. All right. Well, thank you to our guests, Emma Frad, David Cruz. Thank you for nerding out with us, the Catholic nerds. This has been Scott Smith, Cody Reed, Mary Reed, Colby Allen, Eric Dumont. And please do subscribe to this podcast. Share it with all your friends, American, Australian, Catholic, Protestant. And remember, in the immortal words of Gold Five, stay on target. Bum 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 b